Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. In this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about hit points and how I'm using them in my chain. I'm, I'm going to start calling this a chainmail hack instead of an OD&D hack because I really do feel like I'm using way more chainmail than OD&D. But in Unchained, my game system that I'm building, I've talked about hit points before. We use them for man-to-man combat, but I've been using them for other things as well. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about that. I've got a couple of calls from Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast talking about a couple of last episodes. Let's talk hit points. All right, so when I first started building the Unchained system and just using Chainmail with OD&D, hit points were one of those things that I thought, well, you know, I'll use them for some stuff. It'll be interesting to use hit dice versus hit points, etc. Real tight-in combats where we're doing man-to-man, hit points will be used. Otherwise, hit dice are going to be the standard, effectively. And that will make the characters a little bit more, what we'll call, heroic. And it also makes the combat more like what I see in movies and what I read in books. That is, the hero gets into a fight with 20 orcs. They are close to death, maybe on a couple of times, where the you know swords are being smashed, they're getting beat down. But when they walk away from that, they have a swig of their drink or they spit on the ground. And effectively, it's like it didn't hurt them at all. The next scene, they're totally fine. Every once in a while, the, the hero, usually against somebody particularly tough, does get an injury that lingers. But even then, when they get into that final conflict, it usually doesn't matter that much. So the idea of hit points being a drain on the character, especially the way that some systems that try to rewrite D&D think about like, oh, what they call the death spiral, right? Where it's like you're losing hit points, so you also lose strength ability, you also lose whatever. Actually, Into the Odd would be like this, right? where once you're past your hit points and you're losing strength, and now it's like you're on a death spiral because the lower your strength is, the harder it is going to be to make the save, which means that the more you get hit, the more likely you are to die, which, again, is not a bad thing. It's a different way of playing. I, I love Into the Odd, by the way. But I wanted this to be more heroic, and I thought that the fantasy combat and the what I'm calling... What I'm going to start calling... I'm going to leave it calling a troop for now because that's what we've been calling it, but in the game, it's going to be called abstract, I think. But in the fantasy combat... In the abstract combat, that's what I wanted. You know, I don't want the you to feel like, oh, I have a first level character and I get into one combat and I have to leave because I went from four hit points to one and now I'm going to die if I get hit again. You're basically going to die if you get hit once, period. <laughs> but when you get to second level, it becomes much harder to kill you. Third level, even harder. Fourth level, even harder. And when you reach the levels that they're at now in my campaign, fourth and fifth, they are pretty bulletproof for most things. Things can hurt them, obviously. And I, I started to think to myself, is it going to not be challenging after a certain point? But then I realized a couple of things. Number one, <laughs> it can be, especially with the right kind of monster. Using monsters that are equal to the PCs, that is, that require X number of hits simultaneous to take down, makes the monsters also very tough. So you can have these situations. Now, you might imagine this creates a whiffing situation where everybody's just rolling and missing, but it really doesn't. I haven't had a combat go more than maybe four or five rounds. Uh, with this type of thing. And of course, a round in OD&D is super fast. The first round takes a little bit of time because you're kind of establishing everybody's number. But once people know what they're doing, they know the dice they got to roll, they explain, they roll, we you know narrate, we move on. So the combats don't drag. They don't seem to take forever. So that's actually very good. And usually the player characters will come up with something clever. Like they, in almost every one of these combats, they've come up with a cool way to make the enemy weaker effectively and then I gave them benefits like had them defend as less or had it not be simultaneous because that's the beauty of a game like this right where we're kind of working through how it might work out for them so in any case like a very good example from last night's game 
there was a flying snake and one of the characters had a rope of entanglement. Well, the snake defended as a heavy foot, but they used the rope of entanglement correctly against the snake's wings. It, was, it wasn't actually, it was flying magically, like, well, obviously a snake with wings is magical, but, you know, it didn't need the wings to fly. But I, I thought, you know what, that throws it off, it's going to slow it down. Listen, it's going to defend his light foot if you do that, but you're going to have to, every round it's going to get a saving throw to break out of this rope. And if it breaks out, it goes back to heavy foot. Well, it actually succeeded in the saving throw for the first two rounds, I think. So the character kept saying, nope, I'm going to keep trying, I'm going to keep trying. And then it failed its saving throw, dropped down to light foot. And between the four other members of the party, they were able to take it out, even though it was nine hit dice, I think. So basically, it works out pretty well, even for the tough monsters. But let's talk hit points. There's one place where I put hit dice as my main determiner that I think didn't work out as well as I was originally hoping, and I've been changing that as I've been going, and I don't think I've really talked much about it. I certainly haven't made the change in the rules. And that is that things like traps and stuff are the perfect hit point drain. Because traps and obstacles and curses and spells are the perfect thing to beat down the characters. And because, again, there's not a death spiral like in some games, you're still uh, tough. You know, you might only have one or two hit points left, but if you're four hit dice, then, you know, it still takes four simultaneous hits to, to take you down in in troop combat. So you're still very tough, and it's not really affecting the game that much. They don't have to run out of the dungeon necessarily. And it really does allow for the slower healing to be okay. So for in our situation last night, I had a... Well, actually, the same player character had two unfortunate things happen to them. One was like an electrical trap that drained hit points, and the other one was a... Uh, was a boulder that rolled and caused hit point damage. And then it actually dropped them down to one hit point, even though they're two hit dice. And they had to decide. They only had one healing potion between the entire group. And they were thinking to themselves, well, you know, we could give you this now. But the reality is, is that the healing potion almost is more useful as a revival type potion in, in troop combat, which they ended up having to do already twice with the two Curalite wound spells they had between the two clerics. So the hit points can be this lingering threat thing that you got to worry about, especially if you're using things like traps and curses and, and things like that. So I think it's actually working out really well, and I'm going to have to write that up in the, in the book, obviously, to be more descriptive. The other, What I had changed in the book so far was that I was having most traps, because I didn't like the idea of, and I still don't like it, I never have liked, the idea of being a first-level party and walking into a dungeon and falling in a pit trap and rolling a d6 damage and dying. To me, that just doesn't feel very exciting or interesting. A lot of the solution in the OSR sphere is to do things like not make the trap much more obvious, so they have to look at it as an obstacle, not a trap, which is cool, and that works. But I kind of like the idea of the occasional just, ah, and they, you know, and they fall in the trap and not stop for, you know, 20, 30 minutes of play trying to navigate around a pit, you know, every time you want to put a pit trap in the dungeon. So what I've done is I've made that type of stuff generally drain from either ability scores temporarily or from uh, equipment. You know, you fall in a pit trap and you've got a bunch of vials of oil. What we're going to roll to see if any of them break. Not only have you lost some of your oil, but you're also covered in oil, which makes it a little more dangerous to do the old uh, light up the oil and throw it at the monster trick, right? So I think there's lots of ways we can do things that aren't hit point damage, but I think hit point damage does have a place in this game, and I'm not going to remove it, uh, at least in the the more OD&D hack version, which I'm calling uh, Unchained Fantasy. In the straight-up Unchained, there's no hit points. When you're playing Conan, there's no hit points. You, that stuff never bothers you. <laughs> you know, you're either up or you're down when you're Conan. Defeated or not defeated, basically. And I think that works out well for that version of the game. 
And I think that that I can safely say that within the next month, so it's, it's end of August now, I would say by end of September, the uh, the non-OD&D version, the just Unchained Heroes, which is the basically the chainmail hack, should be ready for distribution, and I'm going to put that up on DriveThruRPG. So that's cool. That's news there. Beyond that, um, I've got a couple of calls, so let's hear them. Hey, Daniel, listen to your latest episode. Of course, I paused it. I think using the 6mm miniatures of the 2mm to show giants and all is genius. Of course, you can do the same thing with, you know, if you're using 28mm miniatures, you can use 54 for the giants or whatever. But, no, I think that's great. And those smaller scales are very accessible price-wise, which is the other big thing, you know. So I, th- I think that's really smart. And chalk me up for the Top Secret game. I, I will be willing to... To come online, I'll wear a Luchador mask or something, but I'm, I'm very willing to play Top Secret online. And we've talked Top Secret before. It's one of my, I think that's the second, it's the third game I, I had, but the second game I ever bought. Hey, Daniel, really enjoyed your answers for RPG a day. Some interesting choices there, like Into the Odd, but I totally understand why you would do that. And it, it kind of makes sense, really. So... Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what your answers for the end of the month are going to be as well. Thank you, by the way, for appearing on my show recently. Really enjoyed it. The second appearance on my show will come out this coming Thursday, I think. the eight, Whatever day the 18th of August is will be that episode. So watch for that. Talk to you later. That was, of course, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Yeah, well, yes, you are definitely on... You definitely play Top Secret with us. You don't... Actually, if anybody ever wants to play, you know, when I throw out there that I want to run a game, especially on the Auto Dungeon Discord, uh, you don't have to use your camera if it's being streamed. A lot of my players will just put up an image to represent their character. That's totally fine. I can understand privacy issues and stuff. As long as you have a uh, a microphone. That, that's all you really need. But yes, I will definitely get you in the uh, Top Secret game. It's funny, I was just listening to Down in a Heap, Rob's podcast, and he was saying that Top Secret seems like a great game to have like in the kind of the back burner. So like if you have fewer people that day or the regular group isn't there to play, it's a great pickup game. And I agree because Top Secret lends itself, I think, to one shots just as well as a campaign because, you know, spy stuff, even though you can have almost like X-Files, right? You could have an ongoing narrative in the background, right? Or James Bond, right? Or, or, or Inspector Gadget, right? Claw or whatever. But each episode is completely self-contained and it could definitely easily have different... Uh, different heroes or different spies or whatever in them. So, yeah, Top Secret, uh, we'll definitely get that to the table soon. I'm going to be playing a lot more again. I'm kind of in a weird transitional phase right now. As far as the minis are concerned, what I am learning or discovering or feeling, maybe this is probably not anything new to people who do minis, but I'm finding all kinds of stuff you can use for minis. We played a battle, I don't know if I said this in the last episode, we did a battle in um, where they were supposed to be in these giant bug machines, and I just went on Amazon and bought this like whole tube of like bugs you know for little kids to play with and use those as the minis and i used my ogre uh, game board as the map because i just wanted to make it more hexy wise i just thought it'd be easier than using a ruler and we basically played uh with those little things as minis you know this dollar dollar tube of uh, giant insects and speaking of that i went to the dollar store and picked up um some, some other dinosaurs and stuff i'm going to use as well so, yeah, I think minis can be, you know, such a great additive. And it's so funny because, I'm, again, I'm probably repeat, repeat myself a lot, but I was so into minis at first because I was like, oh, they're so cool. And then I got overwhelmed by them and I didn't feel like they were doing what I wanted. And I think, obviously, it was just the way I was using them. 
to me, the minis now are becoming when we want to do a cool skirmish that tactics really should matter. Not a, not a quick combat, not something in the middle of a dungeon, but like something where, okay, this is going to be a cool tactical situation. I think busting the minis out and putting them on the table is just so fun. And I think some games call for them. Like, like Boot Hill, for instance, I think would be really great with minis on the table. So yeah, I just, and yeah, mixing and matching is just so fun. You know, it's so easy to get different size minis and be like, all right, well, these are, you know, I'm doing uh, one one seven two miniatures, which are like I guess twenty millimeter, and then if you use your normal size twenty eight millimeter miniatures, they're like slightly bigger. So you could go to a place where like uh, you know, let's say you're using your Napoleonic, you know, twenty millimeter miniatures, and you got these like French Foreign Legion soldiers. I don't know if Napoleonic is the right word there, but <laughs> I'm clearly not a true war gamer. But you could use those guys and then have a bunch of like spearmen come out that are like you know significantly larger than them and be like, well, we're on some strange island where there's like giant men, you know? So I just think that like just using the scale to your advantage is just can be such a fun thing. Or of course, like, like I said, use a six millimeter miniatures, ogres or, and orcs and stuff and use those against your 20 millimeters. And now you've got effectively goblins or, you know, tiny men or whatever, however you want to play it out. So I think that that can be really fun and I'm definitely getting more into the miniatures. Uh, and so far as being on the show, yes, I love being on Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I think, well, obviously this is coming out after the 18th. I believe there was one other, it all blends together. There's another one that I don't think has come out yet. So when I release this, I think there still should be, this is going to be the 26th of August. There still should be one more where where I, where I guest star. I'm trying to, uh, to be on there as much as possible. <laughs> I'm neglecting my own podcast to be on there. No, I'm not really, but that's... It's really fun. Um, so yes, I love uh, hanging having you on, Jason. Uh, you should, I, I should say, I love when you have me on. You should come on this podcast and we can discuss Chainmail. We'll have to figure that out. But in any case, if anybody else has any thoughts on the hit points or on miniatures or OT&D or Chainmail or anything related to things for this podcast or things you've seen in my videos, please do call in. Feel free to call in. Use the Anchor app while you still can. Um, or I guess you could just use the web-based thing too. I suppose I should set up an email where you could email me and be all fancy like Jason, but I don't really have that set up. So you got to use the Anchor app or the web if you want to send me a message currently. And uh, I'll talk to you soon.